Well, good morning. My name's Pastor Brad. I'm the worship arts pastor here at New Life. I just want to welcome those of you in the room. If you're a first-time guest especially, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we plan for you to be here. I hope you've enjoyed your experience so far. To those of you watching online right now, we want to welcome you. Thank you so much for being a part of our church family today as we worship together and hear from God's Word. Uh, I want to ask you a question this morning. Did you know that God wants us to experience fullness of life by engaging in life-giving relationships? In fact, we can only experience God's fullness when we connect with God and others in healthy ways. We have a problem, though, and that problem is that naturally we're not emotionally or spiritually healthy, and if we're really honest, we're not really that good at relationships. But to experience the fullness of God, to experience that in our lives, we have to move towards health by engaging God and others in healthy ways. Now, there's some specific next steps that we can take, and really that's what this series is all about, changes that heal. We want to each week give us a look at the Bible to see some next steps that we can take in our relationship with God and others to bring health into our relationships and into our lives so that we can experience God's fullness. That's what this series, Changes That Heal, is all about. And last week, Pastor Chris did an incredible job of kicking us off by talking about the devil's kryptonite. I love that title. It's such an incredible title, actually. It was really good. And I really, uh, I really loved it. You know, he, he said it wasn't Jesus. Uh, it wasn't even grace, which is amazing. Um, it was faith, or it was forgiveness. Forgiveness is the devil's kryptonite because it takes away the power of the enemy, and we receive that um, through Jesus. But he made a statement that is a key insight when it comes to spiritual growth. Here's what he said. He said, healthy people grow, growing people change, and changed people change eternity for others. Healthy people grow, growing people change, and changed people change eternity for others. And what he pointed out was this, that the first step to experiencing the fullness of life the first change that we need to make in, in our move toward health is to have a relationship with God, a personal, ongoing, daily relationship with our Heavenly Father. And he talked about how Jesus came here and lived a life we couldn't live and died a death we should have died, was raised back to life again by the power of God so that we, by faith, when we believe in Jesus, we receive his new life. But the coolest thing is we are actually welcomed into his family and so we are put into a right relationship with God when we believe in him. That's the very first step that we need to take if we want to experience changes that heal in our life. If we want to take a step toward health in our life, if we want to experience the fullness of God in our life, we must put our faith and our trust in him. We must engage in a personal relationship with him. Because here's the thing, if we don't know God in a personal way, then we cannot experience the fullness of life that he came to give us. Jesus said he came to give us this life and that we could receive it, but we can't receive it if we don't know him as our Savior and our Lord. So it all comes down to this relationship with God. But here's the thing about our life in general. Everything of significance in our life revolves around relationships. Everything in our life, everything meaningful is connected to relationships now, engaging God in a relationship with God is the, is the first step that we need to take if we want to experience his fullness. 
But we also need to have good horizontal relationships. So I call the relationship with God a vertical relationship because he is our heavenly father. But in our horizontal relationships, our relationships with each other, with our family, friends, and, and, and coworkers, whoever it is that we engage with on a daily basis, in those horizontal relationships, we're called to connect there as well. You see, God actually designed us to connect with each other. Now, connecting with others in healthy ways is the key to experiencing the fullness of life Jesus came to give us. It can't just happen in our relationship with God. And, you know, if you're a part of the church um, and you have been for some period of time, I think that a lot of times we, we get so focused on our relationship with God that we forget about the other people and that we will not truly experience the fullness of life just in our relationship with God. It won't happen. Jesus made that very, very clear. It happens as we are fully engaged here in our relationship with God and fully engaged in our relationships with other people because God designed us that way. In fact, when God created the first humans, as he knit them together, he put their emotions and their thoughts and their wills together in such a way that they would want to connect with him and each other. Look what God said about Adam, the first man that he ever created. Here's what he said. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, if you're a guy in here, you know that that's absolutely true. And if you're a woman, you know it for sure, right? I mean, especially if you're married, it's not good for guys to be alone. In fact, this scripture passage, I read this at just about every wedding, Because God looked around at all of his creation. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 1. He looked around and said, man, this is good. This is good. This is really good. This is, you know, this is good. This is good. But there's one thing that wasn't good, and that was that Adam was by himself. And so God created a helper. So while we read that at weddings and while it is directly connected to marriage, that's not the only uh, use of that passage. It's for all of our relationships. We cannot do well by ourselves. We're just not capable of doing that because we are created to connect. We are created to connect. God wired us to connect with each other. Because, and here's why, and I don't want you to miss this, and this is the one thing I want you to walk out of here with today. This is our take-home point. God is a relational being, and he created a relational universe. Therefore, at the foundation of every living thing is the idea of relationship. So God is a relational being. He created a relational universe. And at the foundation of every living thing here on the earth is the idea of relationship. And, and like we see this even in, with animals, right? When two dogs get together that actually like each other, right? What do they do? They, they kind of tussle and have fun and play together. And even the dogs that don't like each other, they still have relationship, right? They just bite each other and, and fight. Um, it's not good. But do, do you know the same thing's true with humans, right? Like when we get together with the people we like, we're like this. And then when we don't get people we don't like, we bite them, right? You know, and hopefully you don't use your real teeth to do that because that it would be really awkward. But we all have these relationships because God is a relational being, created a relational universe, and at the foundation of every living thing the, is the idea of relationship. God created us for connection. But as I mentioned earlier, we're not naturally good at connecting with others, and here's why. You see, we learn how to engage others by the way others engage us. So let me give you an example of how this works out practically. If you uh, grew up in a family and you had a codependent mother, there's a good chance that you have some codependent tendencies in your relationships. 
Or let's flip it a little bit, and let's say you had an angry father. There's a really good, uh, probably a good guess that in your relationships with other people, your, your kind of go-to emotion is anger, right? If you're feeling misunderstood and expectations not met, uh, you probably jump right to anger. And that's because we learn uh, how to engage others by the way others have engaged us. And I need you to understand something, and I need to understand something. That's a really dangerous thing. And we need help. And God has given us the keys so that we can learn how to engage each other in healthy ways. Because what we discover is this in life. Most of the time, relationships suck the life out of us rather than give life to us. And God didn't design us for that. He designed us to experience His fullness in relationships. But the reality is our relationships will remain the same if we remain the same. You know, I think a lot of us, we, we hope as we engage maybe a new relationship, like if you're in a dating relationship um, or, or, or you uh, are looking for friendship or something like that, you're looking around and you're going, you know what, this relationship didn't work out. I'm not, I'm not even going to mess with that. So you move on to the next one and that's ah, not working and you move on to the next one that's ah, not working. There's a good chance that it's probably not the other people, that it's actually us that, are, that is messed up and that we need help because we will, we, our relationships will remain the same as long as we remain the same. And we need to stop hoping and actually start doing something. We need to start taking steps toward health and building healthy relationship with God and others. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look to the ultimate friend, the ultimate um, relationship God, and that is Jesus. And we're going to see a prayer that Jesus prayed. It's become known in the church as the high priestly prayer because in the prayer, Jesus actually prays for his disciples who were with him currently, but also for all of us who have believed in Jesus in particular because what he's going to say, and we're going to see this here, is that, that when we receive the message of Jesus through other people who know Jesus, that we build relationships with them. But more importantly, we build a relationship with God. And in those two relationships, we experience the fullness of life. And in this prayer, Jesus prays for protection. He prays for guidance. He prays for um, the Lord to be with them, to comfort them, and that they would take the message further than it had previously gone because Jesus knew that we were created for connection. So we're going to look at this together in John chapter 17. We're going to begin in verse 20. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to follow along. If you have a Bible app, you can do that as well. It'll be on the screen too for you. But here's what it says in John chapter 17, beginning in verse 20. Jesus was praying. He said, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So in this brief passage that we have on this uh, high priestly prayer that Jesus prays, we learn three very important things when it comes to building relationships and connecting with others. And here's the very first one. The first thing that we learn is that Jesus expects his followers to form new relationships. Jesus expects his followers to form new relationships. 
Here's what he said. Look at verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. You see, Jesus wanted his disciples to build relationships outside of their circle, outside of their context, outside of their comfort. He expected them to go and tell people that there was a God who loved them, that wanted to be in relationship with them, and then befriend them and lead them and train them and guide them and teach them and teach them to do the same thing. So Jesus expected that we would build new relationships with people. Now, I want to speak to a very specific group of people in here right now. If you're an introvert in here, you don't need to raise your hand because I know you wouldn't anyway. Um, I get it because I am one, all right? <laughs> I'm not doing that. You'd be quiet. Um, yeah, so, so if you're an introvert in here, this is not an easy thing. And listen, I understand. I really do. I understand that when we see new people, and I can say we because it's you and me, okay? <laughs> when we see new people, what we want to do in our natural state is try to get a football length of field away from them, right? And I get that because we're just not naturally, um, we don't get our energy from being with people. And that's the thing we have to understand. Sometimes people think introversion is a sickness um, or that like people who are introverted are backwards. I just want you to know, I'm not backwards. I'm frontwards right now, okay? I am very well aware of where I'm at, all right? <clears throat> but no, no, no. It's actually the way that God designed us. See, God designed some of us to be introverts. God designed others of us to be extroverts. And both of those things need to work together. And they do work together um, for God's glory and, and our good, actually, in our relationships. But it's a lot harder sometimes for introverts to engage these kinds of relationships. But I need you to understand something, okay? Because I'm speaking to myself right now. We have to take risks, and step out and engage others because Jesus expected that we would. We have an incredible message that needs to be shared with other people. And so we have to take a risk and step out and try to engage others, even when we're really, really uncomfortable. You see, and, and just so you know, so introverts, just extroverts, I want to just give you a little bit of understanding here. You get your energy, okay? Like you get pumped up when you're around people. Like it makes you excited. And that's awesome. Introverts get that same exact thing when we're by ourselves, okay? And that's just, that's just the truth. The science proves that. Like, we still love you, and we love people. And I know sometimes you might think that, that we're rude and, and, and just weird, um, but you need to just understand that we're actually, we expend a lot of energy to be with you, and that's okay. Um, and, and we're just so, we, we, still, we still love you, we still are glad to be um, with you, but we just have to go and recharge a little bit. Whereas you, when you're by yourself a lot of times, you lose energy. Um, so you have to be with other people. But that's just a little background hint, and maybe it'll be helpful in some um, relationships today, okay? That's free. And uh, <laughs> Number two, Jesus expects his followers to connect with each other. So he expects us to connect with those outside of our context, outside of where we live, work, and play, and outside of our church. And he expects us to connect with those inside of the church family. Look what he said, verse 21. I pray that, that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe you have sent me. So Jesus expects us to connect with each other. Now that begs the, the, the question really, what is a connection? Well, in his book, Changes That Heal, Dr. Henry Cloud tells us um, a very important point and a very important definition on what 
connecting is. And he uses the word bonding because that's the technical name for it, but I use the word connecting. It's the same thing. But here's what he says. To bond is the ability to establish an emotional attachment to another person. To bond is, to, is the ability to establish an emotional attachment to another person. Now, I would venture to say maybe a better biblical view of that would say not just emotionally, but in our thoughts and in our wills as well. So it's a whole person connection with another person. That's what connecting is. That's what bonding is. And God created us to connect. He created us to have relationships where we are all in with each other. But Jesus expected us to have those relationships with each other in the church. Now, not everybody, because, I mean, look around the room today. This is a big room full of people. And you can't be everybody's best friend, nor should you be. But there should be a group of people here that you connect with very closely. Or there should be a group of believers somewhere that you are connecting with very closely and that you are sharing life with because Jesus expects us to connect with each other. Now, when we, when we reach out to those who are outside of our context and when we continue to connect with those who are inside of our context, something very unique happens. And that's the third thing we learn from this passage. Jesus actually um, is very, very clear about this. And here's number three. We experience God's unique presence when we connect with each other. We experience God's unique presence when we connect with each other. Look what he said. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Verse 22, I have, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such uni- perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Now, Jesus said in Matthew, that, that where two or three of us believers are gathered, he's there with us. What does that mean? That means that when we gather together, we have a unique experience with God's presence because God actually shows up. And when we connect together, he's there with us. So we have both this vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship. And we can have these relationships where we come to such perfect unity that our relationships with each other actually become a witness to the world. Now, I want to show you a graphic right now, and in this graphic, you're going to see some nested circles because it kind of explains a little bit of, of what Jesus was saying here. So take a look at this. So first, we have us, okay? That's, that's you and me, and we're connected together here inside of Jesus. If we didn't have Jesus, we wouldn't be in that circle together. But if you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then we are connected together by Jesus, and we have that relationship. But Jesus, then, he said in this passage that he was in the Father, And so when we are in Jesus and Jesus in the Father, then when the world looks at us interacting with each other in in healthy ways, they don't see just us. They actually see Jesus in the Father. They see his glory. That's why Jesus, he said, I give you my glory. I've given them my glory. Why? To be a witness so that the world will know there's a God who loves them and wants them to be a part of that, to be a part of that family. In fact, Jesus said that the world would not recognize that we are Christians or his disciples by how good we are. <laughs> he didn't even say that the world would recognize that we, are, that we are Christians or disciples by how much we do for the world itself. Like, it doesn't matter how many wells we put in Africa for clean water. The world uh, doesn't, that's not the best witness to the world, although I think that's important. It's not the best witness. What Jesus said was this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
You see, when we as the church family come together and we love one another, people in the world take notice because that's not normal, right? People in the world are really out um, to get it for themselves, and we all know that because we're in the world. We still are in the world. And so we still have these natural tendencies to be in this for ourselves. But what happens when we start loving each other and having healthy, connected relationships with each other is the world goes, that's weird. I kind of like that. I kind of want that. And we can say, yeah, actually, you were created for that. Because God is a relational being, created a relational universe. And the foundation of every living thing is the idea of relationship. We are created to connect. So if you're taking notes inside of your um, outline today or you're just writing down some notes, you're going to notice that Jesus had two expectations in an experience. So when we reach out to others that we wouldn't normally reach out to and we share the message of this incredible God who loves us, sent his son to live and die and rise again for us, if we will believe in him, we can receive a new life. And then we can have that vertical relationship created with God. And then we can have this horizontal relationship built with others inside the church. That's the second expectation. Then we experience, and don't miss this, because this is where a lot of us miss it. Some of us are really good at number one. Some of us are really good at number two. But it's when we put number one and number two together, we get number three, where we experience the fullness of God. And that's the thing we were created for. And it happens in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. But there's something we need to understand. We have an enemy. The Bible calls him Satan, the adversary, and he knows something about us. Jesus said his job is to come and steal, kill, and destroy in our lives. And the enemy doesn't just want to come and steal, kill, and destroy our finances or anything like that. In fact, he really doesn't even care about that. He just uses those things so that he can come to steal, kill, and destroy our relationships with God and with each other. You see, he's out to get us. He doesn't love us. He hates us. And he wants nothing more than for us to be disconnected from God. Because here's the deal. The enemy knows if he can isolate us, he can destroy us. And he does that even to Christians. And we need to understand uh, in our lives that we were created for connection. And if we are isolated there is a good chance we will be overcome by the enemy. So the next part of this message, I want to kind of give you some, some viewpoints, some understandings of what, what it means to be isolated and some steps we can take to move away from that. So I want to share with you some symptoms of isolation. And I want you to think about this in your life. Take an inventory. Are there some areas right now where you're experiencing some of these things? And if you are, then you need to understand that you're bumping into isolation and the enemy's trying to pull you out so that he can destroy you. Let's look at them. Symptoms of isolation, depression, feelings of meaninglessness, feelings of badness or guilt, addiction, distorted thinking, emptiness, sadness, fears of intimacy, feelings of unreality, panic, rage, excessive caretaking, and fantasy. Now, have any of you ever experienced any of those? Or maybe all of those? The answer for all of us is yes. We all have. Why? We're all humans. We have all experienced these at certain points because we've all been isolated at certain points in our lives. And maybe you're experiencing that right now. 
But you see, when we don't connect with God and others in healthy ways, we experience these common symptoms because the enemy is isolating us so he can destroy us. And, and so if we recognize that we're experiencing that right now, then we need to make these healthy steps to get connected with other people. But here's what's going to happen. We're going to bump into some barriers. And I want to share these barriers with you because they can be overcome in the power of God and by taking some next steps. So here are the barriers to connecting. First of all, fear of rejection. Okay? That is the number one thing that keeps people from connecting with other people. I want to go talk to them, but I'm really afraid they won't like me. I don't look like them. I don't sound like them. I, I don't feel like I'll fit in. And so we just don't take the risk. Why bother? But that's not what Jesus intended for us to do. It's not what God created us to do. God created us to connect. The next thing is past injury. Distorted thinking, such as I am bad, or I don't deserve love, or God doesn't really love me. Defense mechanisms, denial, devaluation, which is simply saying that you're not worth anything, or that a relationship with somebody else is not worth anything. Projection, reaction formation, mania, idealization, and substitution. You see, when we encounter these barriers, we have to actually do something. We have to confess them to God, ask Him for help, and pursue these next seven things that I believe that if we'll follow them in the power of God and the Holy Spirit, we will receive the fullness of life in God as we connect with Him and others and experience His presence. Now, in order to do this, we have to be intentional. These next seven steps, we need to take these intentionally. And some of you are going to go, I'm at that place and I need to take that step. And that's great. I hope that you'll do that. And maybe in some relationships you're at this level and in other relationships you're at this level and you want to get to a further level, you can do that by following these steps. But it has to be intentional. You see, if we're going to move in the direction toward connection, we have to be intentional. So here are the seven keys for connecting with others in healthy ways. Number one, Realize our need for connection. Realize our need for connection. Now, I've done the, the better half of this message has been about trying to show you from the scripture that we were created to connect. But, you know, I don't really even need to show you from the scripture, to be honest with you. Just down deep inside of you, you know you need connections. And so do I. We know that we need connection. We need to be connected with other people. But until we realize that and fully embrace that, then we cannot move on to step number two. And step number two is this, move toward others. Move toward others. We must actively reach out to others for help and support. And we have to be honest to those that are closest to us because they care probably more than we realize. And I want to be very clear about something here. We need to move intentionally toward others and actually tell them things. That's actually number three. Be vulnerable, right? And I know this kind of scares us. It's, it's natural to kind of be scared here because we're taking a risk with our relationships. But if we will be vulnerable, we will actually connect with that person because it's possible to realize our need for connection and to move toward others and, and just stay there and never actually move into a real connection with somebody. Why? Because we're protecting ourselves. We build a fence. We put it around us. That's not what God wants us to do. God does not want us to live lives isolated from others. So we have to be vulnerable 
Now, I want to be very clear about what that means. That does not mean you walk out of here today and go like, I think that guy will work. Hey, hey, I suck at life and I need help. Okay, that's, that's not what I mean. Okay, that, that, that's not what being vulnerable means. What being vulnerable means is that we go and we connect with somebody, maybe in a small group here or, or somebody, you know, as we're here at church on the weekend or some group that you're connected with that's another believer, uh, and you, you begin to share life with that person, right? And you begin to share as it's appropriate. Hey, I'm really struggling with this. I really am I'm feeling this right now. I'm not sure why, but I'm feeling this. Or I know why, and I need help dealing with this. So being vulnerable really is the, is the biggest key to connection with other people. Then we have to do number four, and that is challenge distorted thinking. Distorted thinking will cause us to repeat the bad actions uh, of relationships in the past. Distorted thinking is actually the root of much pain, and actually distorted thinking will lead to death emotionally. If we keep saying to ourselves, I'm bad, I'm bad, I can't have good relationships. I don't deserve to have a good relationship. God couldn't love me. If we keep saying those things to ourselves, you know what happens in our brains? Our brains start believing it. And then we isolate ourselves, and the enemy wins. But you need to understand something. God told us in here how much he loves us, how much he wants to be a part of our life, and and the fact that other people want to be a part of our life as well. I, I just want to encourage you, challenge distorted thinking. Get down to the root of it. Where's it coming from? Because I just want you to know, it's probably not coming from God. In fact, I know it's not coming from God. It's coming either from us or the enemy. So challenge distorted thinking. Then move on to number five, allow dependent feelings. Now, this is, this is hard for Americans, okay? Because we love the story, you know, ever since we were little, we hear about the story about the, the guy who grew up with nothing and then he pulled up his bootstraps and something happened. I don't know what it is about bootstraps, but you pull them up and amazing things happen in life. <laughs> so he pulled up his bootstraps and he becomes a billionaire, right? You know, and it's just incredible. But I want you to know, I've read a lot of biographies of those kinds of guys and almost every time that guy didn't do it himself. He was connected with other people or girls, They were connected with other people. They didn't do it themselves. They can't do it themselves because we were created to connect. So they allowed themselves to be dependent on others. And this is really hard for us, and I understand that. But again, it's another risk we need to take if we want to have a true connection with people. We need to depend on them. Hey, I need some help. Can you help me? Would you speak into my life here? Because I don't know what to do and allow other people to connect. Then the next thing is this. Pray and meditate. Number six, pray and meditate. You see, we have to keep care of our relationship with God. And the best way to do that is prayer, because prayer is communication with God. And at the center of every relationship is communication, right? If we're not communicating, we're not relating. So we have to communicate with God and with others. But in this particular case, when we pray, we are communicating with God. And meditating, I don't want you to get this kind of weird picture that this is some Eastern practice that you have to have smoke and stuff for. No, this is actually a thing where you take the word of God and you just kind of mill it over inside of your heart. You let it simmer and let the spirit of God teach you. 
and then apply it to your life. So we have communication with God through prayer and through his word, and then we allow him to lead us through that. And then finally, number seven, rely on the Holy Spirit. You see, followers of Jesus have this thing that the world can't have. It's impossible. We have the Holy Spirit. And he's not just a thing, he's, the, he's a person. And you know, a lot of times I think that we think of the Holy Spirit as this like nebulous force, right? Like, like actually the force on Star Wars. You know, how many of you love Star Wars? Anybody? Yeah. So, you know, if you love Star Wars, don't tell me you've never done this, where you go to Walmart and you go like this at the doors and the doors open. <laughs> it is the only place on earth where the force works and it is awesome. I walk up every time. Even now, I have to, I just, I'm going to, can I be vulnerable with you guys? Okay. I'm a grown man. Still growing up. Um, but I, I go to the store with my kids. My kids are down like this and my wife will be with me. I still do this with my, my finger. Because I'm walking in, I'm, you know, and the door opens. It's incredible. It really is. I'm waiting for the door, time when it doesn't open. That'll be real funny, you know. <laughs> because I'm not looking at it, right? You know, so... So we rely on the Holy Spirit who is a person and not a nebulous force. In fact, Jesus said that, that you know, the Holy Spirit's not around us. You know, I'm always worried that when I go like this, I chop him in half. But he's not, he's not just around us. He's actually, Jesus said, he's inside of us. So we have this relationship with him. And the amazing thing is the Apostle Paul said that when we are engaging with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, that we, he actually gives us this thing called the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. By the way, those are all things that are incredible for relationships. You can't have a good relationship without those things. So we have to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to trust him. So it's time to say yes. It's time to stop looking for fullness of life in everything else except for a healthy connection with God and others because that's only where we get to experience his fullness. And I want you to understand something very, very important today. We're talking about healthy connections. With God, we can always have a healthy connection with God. We can trust him. But with other people, I don't want you to look at these seven things and, and go back to an abusive relationship and try to make this work, okay? In an abusive relationship, there's a really good chance that these things won't work, and it, and it might be time for, for that relationship to come to an end. It might be time for a necessary ending there, okay? These, these steps are for healthy, life-giving relationships, not relationships that hurt us and steal our joy that God wants us to have. So please understand that. It's time that we seek out healthy relationships, that we take next steps for changes that heal because God is a relational being who created a relational universe. And at the foundation of every living thing is the idea of relationship. And Jesus expects us to have those relationships with people outside the church, people inside the church, so that we can experience his unique power and presence in our lives as we pursue that intentionally. So as we go out this week, I want to encourage you with this commitment. Here's what it says. I will connect intentionally with God and others this week. I will connect intentionally with God and others this week. I want to give you two ways to do that. Number one, right now in this place, if you've never committed your life to Jesus, take that next step. That is your next step. Believe in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Receive the new life. That is your first step to a change that will heal. Get this vertical relationship right. 
because that is the first step. And all you have to do is you say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I, I need you. I confess my sins to you and I commit my life to you. I believe that you came here and lived and died and were raised back to life again for me. And if you'll do that as we pray here in just a minute, you get to begin this new relationship, which is awesome for the rest of your life. And that relationship overflows to the horizontal relationships. And so, so if that's your first step, I want you to take it. But here's another step that you can take. If you're here today and you're not connected in a small group, I want to encourage you to get connected. Because we have small groups here at New Life with the idea that they want them to be transforming communities where life change happens. And remember, it happens as we connect with others, right? And God works through us. So let's seek to be in a group. So if you're part of a life team here, great. If you're part of a small group here, great. But if you're not, get, be a part of one of those things. You can do that by going to newlifexn.org and signing up today. And listen, I don't really, uh, we're not like trying to have everybody do that um, just for the sake of doing it. We actually want you to do it for your sake, for the sake of your transformation and your relationship with God. So I hope that you'll do that today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And Lord Jesus, we, just, we are so thankful that we can be in relationship with you. And right now, God, if there are any in here in this moment who need to at this, at this time say, God, I need you to become my Lord and my Savior, I pray that you would be um, with that person right now where they are at. God, meet them as you met me. And God, connect with them right here. Give them a new life. And let them be part of this incredible family called the church. And God, for those of us who are a part of that church family, I pray that you will encourage us, God, to connect with others. That we'll connect with people outside of the church and people inside of the church so we can grow, so that we can be healthy, so that we can have life, fullness of life, here and now. God, would you do this incredible work in and among us? The power of your presence and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.